David Allen. Entrepreneur. That would be me. You are one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, so um, explain what you do. Um, I own a gym. I train people. I do uh, programming, nutrition, um, <clears throat> motivation, uh, all that kind of stuff. So You're going to start a podcast. That's the game plan. Yeah. When's that starting? As soon as we can figure out how to actually do it <laughs> and get all the yeah. equipment necessary. Which is why you're here. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I have a double, double purpose of coming here. <laughs> It's good. Now, this is the first time I've I've been on several podcasts, but this is the first one I've had like a legit setup. Only people just call me on the phone. Really? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like Skype? Yeah, they like Skype me. And what do you do? You like talking to a mic in your office or something? I like talking to my phone, and then they record me on their computer. That's that's bush league, man. It is bush, bush league. <laughs> like like this is this is legit. This is what I need. <laughs> this is the inspiration I need. <laughs> Welcome to the big leagues. I like it. Yeah. All right. So where'd you go to school? Um, like I said, I went to ECS, Evangelical well, Christian I mean, like School. College, yeah. Then I went and played football at Delta State. Okay. And then I got a, I got a degree in exercise science and a minor in nutrition at Delta State. So you always knew you were going to do this. So when I was probably 13, 14, I was like super tall and gangly and like everyone made fun of how skinny I was. And so I think, you know, being told that as a boy going through puberty you were wounded <laughs> yeah i was like i don't want to be called skinny all the time and i was like you know i like saw like arnold schwarzenegger movies and like rocky and all these things and i was like that that's what i want to be like so i started weight training like seriously in i think the summer after seventh grade <clears throat> seventh seventh grade yeah wait you're saying you were skinny as a seventh grader and that was a problem well, I mean, I was like six foot in like seventh grade. That's a big. <laughs> I was like six grade. foot and like hundred and twenty pounds. So. <laughs> you were McGarry. Yeah, I was. He's, yeah. Probably, he's probably bigger than I was. That actually. was exactly <laughs> like that describes me at seventh grade too. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I was just start weight training. So like, we had like a, a like home gym type thing that I uh, used to work out on, and <clears throat> actually broke it. And I thought I was gonna get in like big time trouble. My dad was like, "You broke the gym." I was like, "Yes." He's like, and that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's when you were like, I'll replace it with a, a whole gym. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 20 years later. Ever since then, I, you know, I, I, and I also changed schools and like, I changed schools from eighth grade to ninth grade. And then again, ninth grade to 10th grade. So eighth, ninth and 10th, I went to three different schools. I had to make like new friends three different times. So like, that's kind of tough when you're 16. So at the time, like, one, the way I dealt with that was just like weight Hulking training. out. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. like I would go to football practice and I'd weight train for an hour and a half till they kicked me out of the weight room because the coaches had to go home. And I would just do that like every single day. So so let me get this straight. You like exercising. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. You enjoy that part yeah. of your life. <laughs> to a degree, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so did you start the gym right out of you got right after you got out of school? No, when I left school, I wanted to be a college strength coach. So I actually got gotcha. hired on at LSU. I was a strength coach down there for a little bit. Worked with football and women's soccer. Um, <clears throat> then I got an opportunity to come back back up to Memphis and run a D1 sports training. It was like a sports development facility. I think I've seen those before. Is that like personal training? It, it's more. It's like more like group training for athletes type type of thing. I mean, they have one out in Carville. Um, don't, right. Don't go there though. Why? Go to MBS. Oh, yeah. No. But of course. <laughs> but I used to run one. Don't go there. <laughs> I used to run one, and um, so I did that for a little bit. Did you run that one in Collierville? No, the one I ran was in Cordova. So, <clears throat> but it's not there anymore. It's not there. They they moved it out to Collierville. Gotcha. Um, and at the time, you know, it wasn't quite what I wanted to do. 
Well, I guess the situation wasn't what I wanted it to be. So I was like, man, I'm a smart guy. What was wrong with it? (laughs) It was kind of like the redheaded stepchild uh, facilities. They had like all these really nice facilities that they owned and they had this like crappy one in Cordova that they rented. D1. Yeah. Got it. And, um, and like they, they didn't give me any support. Like every other facility had like a facility manager, a sales team, all these people. It's like it was me and like a sales intern. <laughs> How did you get into that role? I, I had a friend who was running the facility before me, and he not a friend anymore. I mean, I would consider him a, an acquaintance. <laughs> yeah, he pretty much like called me up and like kind of like sold me on a false uh, false idea of what it was going to be like, and then bailed on me. And I just was like, well, I'm here. I'll stick with it. Wow. So, but it was, it was a good, I mean, like I worked at least 60 to 80 hours a week. Doing what? Cleaning, training people. Wait, you were the, you I were was like everything. Clean, you were I ever- was, Yeah. I mean, and the thing was like, we didn't even own the facility. So like, I'm like managing this facility for some other group that, that there's a baseball group that would use the facility for like baseball practice. It was, it was ridiculous. So, but at 22 or whatever it was, you know, I was just like, okay. It was a job. I was like, whatever. Um, so I was like, man, this, this kind of sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. So, uh, I thought I wanted to go into, into physical therapy. So I left D1 and so I started, um, personal training at a local commercial gym. And so I could go back to school and get on my prereqs and get on my, like my PT hours. And, um, so I did that for a while and I realized I really did like personal training and I was really good at it. I was doing, how do you, what makes one good at it? Um, I think a couple of things. One, you got to be personable, (laughs) you know, like basically the people have to like coming and seeing you every, every single week. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) And they got to like it. Yeah. They got to like it enough for you to like yell at them, you know, and tell them they're doing things wrong. I can do that. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, being personable, I think you also, um, have to, you have to know your stuff. I mean, you have to be legitimate legitimately knowledgeable in anatomy, physiology, programming, nutrition, um, everything involved in, in the development of people's health. You get to think like, and so here's, here's one reason I'll say I, I, I was probably pretty good it was because in college strength and conditioning, there's, there's requirements that you have to make that in order to, to be a coach. Basically you have to have a degree in exercise science. You have to have, uh, CSCS. Most of the times you have to What's have a CSCS? Uh, certified strength and conditioning specialist. It's a, it's like the top certifications you have to have to be an NCA strength coach. And <clears throat> so those are kind of the requirements you have to have to, to, to be even considered for a job in college strength and conditioning. But in personal training, there's, there's no requirements. Like literally you could be a personal trainer tomorrow if you really wanted to. Just self-declare? Mm-hmm. You just say, hey, <clears throat> I'm going to start charging people 60 bucks an hour to train them and Come on. Isn't there an element, though, where people look at you and can tell if you're lying, like me? Uh, <laughs> yes, but so I'll say, like, maybe physically, but, like, no one, like, most people don't, most, the average person doesn't know anything about, like, exercise. Uh, they know what they've seen on Yahoo or on, from Oprah, but, like, they don't know any, like, legitimate. Yeah, but let me tell you why I can't be a personal trainer. <laughs> okay. It's the same reason why I wouldn't seek financial advice from somebody that's really deeply in debt. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. But, see, I'll, I'll say, like... <laughs> But so the flip side of that would be like, so what if someone was just born into a billion dollars and like never had to learn good financial sense? They just had it since they were born. And Is this all, a metaphor for good genetics? Yes. So okay. there, are, there are plenty of people that have great genetics or super fit that just like 
have no idea what they're doing from a from a training perspective. Like Daniel McGarry. Yeah, so I don't know why I'm ripping you. Yeah, today. <laughs> I, I was blessed with this Adonis body, so you know you can't. Okay, you can't hate on him. You can't bring me down. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny because I know a guy that works out because he doesn't want to get skinny. Yeah, like he does that to like maintain his size. Which, I mean, I can't be friends with him because I. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, but is it like a good size? Well, we went to the pool for a July Fourth deal, <clears throat> so the morning of. And uh, so, I mean, obviously at the pool, you're shirtless. And I told yeah. him, I was like, I, don't, I just don't think if it's a good idea for me and you to stand next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. But like, just for the next few hours, we can't interact. Yeah. 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 Just put your shirt back on. <laughs> Not because you look bad, because I look bad. <laughs> yeah. It was just, it was one of those moments. It's, it's fine. I mean, I yeah. eventually got my shirt back on. I felt like a <laughs> dignity. Yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? Um, personal trainer. Personal Anybody trainer. Can be personal. So anyways, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I was doing a good job at personal training. <clears throat> then I kind of quickly realized I didn't like physical therapy. I didn't really like being around, like, hurt people all the, time, all the time. Too slow for you? It was slow, and then, like, a lot of the, the like, shadow hours I was doing was with, like, peop, you know, older people getting their hips replaced and stuff like that, which is, I mean, there's people who that's what they're passionate about. but you know, and it's needed. I, yeah, but I was, it was just not me. You want to be back like with football players? Yeah, I just want to be around like more intense kind of atmosphere type stuff. So, um, but so I kind of I fully committed to personal training for a year, and I, and I built up a huge clientele. It's generally good, but like I, I just butted heads with the gym management. So I had only been in like athletic weight rooms. You know, what was it like being an athletic trainer for LSU? Pretty awesome. I mean, it, it <laughs> one every athlete is like the most, you know, five star blue chip, top of the line athlete you could ever imagine. So it's like no matter what you do to them, they're just amazing. So <laughs> you pretty much like the coaching them is really simple. It's just like do this and they're like, okay, and then they they like you know do it perfectly and then do like some crazy weight. You know, like the first time you like teach them how to power clean, they're like okay, and they do three fifteen. <laughs> it's yeah. like crazy, um, but it's intense. I mean, like. We worked, we were 5 a.m. till 6 p.m. every single day during the summer. Just in the weight room? Mm-hmm. Wait. W- weight room on the field doing, doing, um, doing sprint work. What about all that talk I hear about overtraining? Well, that was, so that was the coaches. That was not the athletes. We were there all day working. They were. In shifts. Yeah, they would come in shifts. <clears throat> Plus, gotcha. we'd have other teams we'd have to work with. So, you know, you'd have football at one point and baseball at one point and so on and so forth. All right, so you got a taste for training there yeah. that you like. Yeah. You're training in Memphis. You're not really liking it. I'm, well, well, you're liking some aspects. I'm liking it, just not liking the atmosphere of the gym. Cause so, and so this kind of like goes into like why I opened a gym. So most, most commercial gyms, unfortunately, have what I kind of consider um, a less than moral business plan. And what, that, what they do is they – want people to sign up and never come to the actual gym because if you think so like there's big box gyms so i'm not gonna name any names but a big box gym that's got like a pool and you know uh volleyball courts at this and, address and, yeah <laughs> so you know <laughs> those types of gyms yeah uh, their overhead is so crazy high that they have to have like five six thousand members to you know to make any type of profit but if 5,000 members actually came into their gym every single day, it would destroy the gym. They'd never sign any new memberships, any of that kind of stuff. They, they usually stick you with a long-term contract with a high initiation fee. So, you, you know, 
you don't want to you don't want to leave because you're kind of like, well, I mean, if I leave, I'm going to have to pay this initiation fee again. Or when you sign up and you're all motivated, they're like, hey, you can get this really good deal if you sign up for two years. And so you sign up for it's like two, a cable company. Yeah. So they, yeah, you sign for two years and then you don't use it, and then and they don't want you to use it. Um, yeah, but at least the person feels good knowing that they have a gym membership. Ah, sure. If only that psychological. Yeah, if only if only that you know actually got people in shape, uh, or you have the the the, the low cost like twenty four hour gyms that that have like a the, the price is so low you don't even think about it coming out of your your bank account. It's, you know, ten bucks, fifteen bucks, something like that. But the same thing goes like they have to have a pretty substantially high membership to actually cover their overhead costs. But the only way that they can they can actually make money and succeed is if those people do not come to the gym. Cause if they came to the gym, they would, the equipment just get worn out so quickly. It would always be packed. They can never sell new memberships. When, when, when people who like when new year's resolutioners want to join a gym, they don't want to walk into a gym and it'd be full of people right? because that's intimidating. <clears throat> so it's bad. It's bad for them to, it's bad for them to, to have like a gym full of people because then they can't sign up new, new, new members. So like the whole idea and then, you know, they never give people direction. They never give people, you know, information to get better. It's just kind of like sign up. Good luck. All right, cool. It's like, look at this shiny thing. Ooh, we got a pool. We got a juice bar. Don't you want to be a part of this? Yeah. <laughs> and then you sign up and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, so, and I, you know, so you're seeing all this, I'm seeing all that. I also saw like, like the gym I was at and a lot of gyms, they kind of, they almost like um, handcuff people who, who are serious about training. So there's like no chalk. You can't do deadlifts, no grunting, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. I Wait, remember, no, why would they say no deadlifts? Because it's loud and it you know, makes noise. Because you drop the weight. You drop the weight. Even if you don't drop. I mean, like, so <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. <clears throat> like the, my, it was like my first week at this gym I was personal training at. I, uh, I did a deadlift. It was like 500 or something like that. Yeah, it's just fine. You, you, really, you can't put 500 down softly, you know? I didn't drop it. Like, I didn't just, like, let go. But it went back down and went kaboom. <clears throat> and and uh, one of the, one of the um, uh, floor staff came up and was like, hey, Dave, Mr. So-and-so wants you to, to stop doing that and not be so loud. And I was like, who? And she pointed. I was like, oh, forget him. And I didn't, I didn't realize that that was, like, one of the – one of the main like people of the gym that I basically told, <laughs> told off. So, it was your first day. <laughs> it was like my first week, and my boss. I remember that like the, my boss was like, "So okay, you can't do that." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, they just did stuff like that. You know, like they play top fifty hits. You know, I, one day I put on, um, I think ACDC, Pandora, and like people <laughs> lost their mind. You know, like freaked out I, that was the most trouble i ever got in it played like i think acdc metallica maybe like motorhead or something like this one lady like literally jumped off the treadmill with her with her uh hands over her ears screaming and ran ran to the main office and then like all the managers came storming down they were just they're so pissed so it was like you know that kind of stuff, you know, and I, I, it's just not what I'm used to at all. I was used to being in a place where it was like, you know, we're going to turn the tunes up. They're going to be hard and heavy, and like we're going to push each other, and we're going to scream and chalk up, and it's going to, you know, we're going to actually do work. Yeah. While we're at the gym, so not really the uh, like the six year old on a treadmill. Their idea of a good. Dude, and my my thing is like, if you, 
whatever whatever you want to do like if you're like hey like my max output that, I, that i'm gonna do is sit on a recumbent bite watch fox news and drink coffee while i pedal that's awesome but you shouldn't hinder someone who wants to do more than that because that person may feel uncomfortable and that's kind of my <clears throat> that's why i didn't like i didn't so like you it. wanted to open up a different kind of gym yes got it mm-hmm. that wasn't one of those that was kind of like a bait and switch yeah so I was like, man, I started looking around because I was like, I gotta find some someplace else. So I started like button heads like bad with my with the management. So I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta find some somewhere else. And like, there was not a single gym in Memphis where I was like, this is a place that I would consider like a good gym. And then someone put the bug in my ear, like, Dude, you should open your own gym. I was like, maybe I should open. Who put my the own. bug in your? I can't even remember. I'm sure it was one of my clients. You know, um, yeah, I had, I had the time I was doing like sixty hours a week of personal training, which is like. So over the top, high amount of personal training is crazy. Yeah, um, but I'm sure one of them was kind of like, "Hey, yeah, Dad, you should open up your open up your own gym." So, so what was the process like? So the the first process was. And how did you know Memphis? Would, is it in Cordova? Yes. Okay. So what made you decide location? Like, what were, what went through that process? <laughs> um. So I'll, I, I'll say this. <clears throat> One of the reasons I've been able to open up a successful business was because when I opened it up, I was young, I was dumb, and I was broke. <laughs> what I mean by that? It's a recipe for success. <laughs> exactly. For, so what I mean by that is like I was young. I was like 25. So like, you know, I, I, I didn't, I had plenty of time if I messed up for, to make up, you know, for it. Um, I say I was dumb because I had like no idea like the, the treachery that can come with owning a business. Like I had no idea of like, <clears throat> you know how hard it's going to be or, you know, all the bad things that could possibly how happen. How hard it is to launch or how hard it is to maintain? Both. Both. Still? Now I know. Yeah. But so now you have the right expectations. Right. right. And it's, so now I know, but it's like at the time I just had no clue. So it was just like, hey, this would be fun. Did you just go to banks and just... Well, so I'll, I'll, I'll hit on that. So I said I was broke because, you know, I had money, but but I'd only been working for like a couple of years. So it wasn't like I had like a ton of money saved away. But, you know, if I lost it, investing in this gym, it was like I start back over at square one. I'm not like 60 with the retirement, you know. And, right. You know, that Kids. Kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. So, um, so luckily for me, my dad is a um, commercial banker. So he does. So you had an in. Well, I, I, yeah, I, had, a, I had an in and I had someone who <clears throat> kind of knew the, knew the ins and outs and kind of who to talk to and what to ask. And so we just started like driving around, looking at different places. Um, I had a kind of real estate agent guy that would kind of, you know, take me around and, and, and talk through everything and to potential spots. Yeah. And there were, I just happened to, I, there was a, I lived in these apartments and there was a, a place for, for rent, like right beside the apartment. So I was like, that would be a cool place to put a gym. And we ended up, you know, putting, putting the gym in there. Was that your, f- what are you in now? Your second location? Second location. So yeah. that was your first? That was the first one. Yeah. Was it just like a warehouse? Um, yeah. I mean, Yes and no. It, it was it was basically a kind of industrial building that had been split in half. So like the one side was offices, and that was actually where the property management group was. And then we rented from them the other side, which was kind of like a just big open bay. It was it was about I'm trying to think right now how big it was. I want to say it was thirty six hundred square feet. So not huge, not big, mm, not big at all. Um, just like yeah, thirty six hundred. Actually, I think when I first opened it, it was like thirty one because we added a little bit. Uh, 
like the second year. So how did, did you just go to banks? Was that, I mean, how does that work? Yeah. Well, I was lucky because I did have a decent amount of money saved up and then my dad gave me a personal loan. Okay. So that was, that was what I needed to, to, you know, finance the original equipment for the gym. Got it. So you got a pretty good amount of cash sunk into the place. Then what was the process like of like building it out, building it up, clientele, all that stuff? So like I said, I was lucky in the fact that I had a pretty big clientele. So actually when I, when I said, Hey, we're open, I think we started with like 50 members, 50, 50 yeah, five zero, which is, you know, for that size gym, it was pretty, pretty good to kind of start. Um, and then just word of mouth kind of spread because there was, there was just tons of people in Memphis like me who were like serious about training, uh, wanted to be in a place that, you know, respected that and kind of promoted that. And so word of mouth just started spreading like crazy. Uh, we did a little promotional video that was pretty cool and got like, you know, a lot of social media attention. What, what was on it? It's like, just, it's just, um, it's a bunch like, of you screaming with weights and it's death pretty metal. much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much me. And then some <laughs> other just meatheads like, you know, doing stuff in sl- in black and white slow motion <laughs> like some like something hard and heavy in the background something that like pretty much every other meathead was like that is awesome where is this place so yeah mcgarry and i even if we did that it would not come across <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be surprised how cool you look when it's in black and white and slow motion <laughs> <laughs> we should try that i'm still trying to find a way to make me look cool dude we could do it with anything you can like flip eggs you know cook toast whatever you know <laughs> let's just try it out <laughs> All right, we'll roll with that. Yep. All right, so you had fifty yep. members, then it just kind of it just it just kind of how quick did it grow? Pretty quickly, and we pretty much we double our membership. You know, pretty much every year, six months to a year um, since the very how beginning. long you been open? Six years. So how many members do you have now? Right now we're like four twenty five. Is there a now like you're saying? Do all four twenty five actually use the facility? Not all one hundred, not all four hundred twenty-five, but most gyms have about a a ten percent usage rate. Um, so like ninety percent of their members don't actually come to the gym, uh, and ours is about sixty percent usage rate. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, is there a uh, <clears throat> if all four twenty-five came and worked out, would it destroy the place like you're talking about the other? Um, well. When we've had, but they all came at one time. It, I mean, it would just be packed, and no one would have anywhere to move. But how do you even know that it's sixty percent? Uh, we can we can track it. We got a, you know a facility management software that they they have key card access. So like we know every single time someone comes, which in. is really cool. Tell people about like the you're open twenty four hours, yeah. right? So it's twenty four hours. You get a little key fob, you scan it. You know, it's twenty four seven three sixty five. If you want to come in and work out at two a.m. or something like it's. On Christmas, on Christmas morning, it's jamming. You know, you can you can show up and squat if you want to. Iron Maiden blaring. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what like the biggest compliment. People walk in, they're just like, "Oh my gosh, y'all's music is amazing." Really, they're so used to like Katy Perry, and no, no offense to anyone who likes Katy Perry, but you know, they're. Just How so, do you not like to work out the firework? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I'm so entrenched and like not. I'll pop, send it to you. Not pop. You music. can put it in your playlist. No, sweet. Okay. <laughs> Wait, we had a remember that Dell song. Hello. Did you actually play that at your gym? We had like a metal version of it. Don't. No. <laughs> it's awesome. Is that true? Yeah. Who plays it? Uh, some dude on the internet. I can't remember. I just found it. I was like, that is a great cover song. That's awesome. 
I'll sing it. Yeah, like you know, Jennifer, if, you know, my wife. If we're in the car, I'd be like, "You want to listen to Adele?" She's just like, "Ah," because he knows I'm gonna play that song. <laughs> <laughs> you can play the death metal version. The death of metal it. version of a Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are your plans moving forward? All right. So, well, you know, so every every I'll kind of step back. So when I first opened the gym, I was the only employee of the gyms. I was, I ran the front desk, I cleaned everything. I was a personal trainer, all that kind of stuff. And so <clears throat> slowly, and I was working like 86 hours a week. It, it was, it's very specific. It was rough. I remember cause that was how many hours a week were open. <laughs> we were, we weren't 24 hours when you first opened. Um, but yeah, I got there at 6am and left at you know, eight or nine every day. And it was just like, uh, I just, it, 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 were you married at the time? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did that for three months, and then finally I was just like, I need some help. But I was like, I can't pay you. Like, I'll, I'll trade you gym membership. Just like work the last two hours and close the gym, and I'll and I'll do all your programming. You can give you free gym membership. Just I want to get out here just you know a little yeah. bit early. <clears throat> so we did that, uh, then started adding other trainers. Um, then I eventually hired a manager. Then hired front desk staff members, and kind of have, have gone from there. And about. Um, three or four years in, I kind of realized, you know, in order for this thing to grow, I can't be like the centerpiece of this, of this business. Like I'm going to have to, it's gotten to the point where I can't wear that many hats because the responsibilities of each hat is pretty big. Um, so I started doing what's called a trainer development program. And basically it was designed to teach trainers everything they needed to know that, to, to be successful um, in, in the personal training, um, profession. And uh, at the time I hired, I, I, and then at that moment, I realized that I hired a manager and hired front desk staff. So they, my manager handles all like the daily activities of the gym. Um, you know, all the stuff that we have to do day to day to, to, to manage it and keep it, keep it running. And then, uh, I have several trainers who are all top of the line trainers. So our, our trainers all have college degrees. They all have top level certifications. Uh, they've all been through our trainer development program and it, it's, it's, it's a legit three month internship where it's, <laughs> you know, it's 300 hours that they have to they go through to be able to train. But they're kind of shadowing you. Uh, they shadow me. They shadow some of the other trainers. We do sit down, um, <clears throat> sit down discussion topics, uh, twice a week, every week. Um, they have to do a book review. They have to, um, do a special project. So they, they, they come out of it knowing it's a significant amount of information to, 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 you know, propel them into actually being a successful trainer. And so, and then once they get that done, then we help them with the sales, the kind of business aspect of it, sales and, um, you know, inter, interpersonal skills, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, and so now it's kind of to the point where my trainers do all the training. So I, I only train, I train the least out of everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, maybe 10 to 12 hours a week is kind of all, all I train. It's clients I've had since I was first started. They're, they're like all clients I've had for five years or more. <clears throat> and um, so, so that, that's kind of like, that was kind of my breakthrough moment of like, okay, like if, this can't be just the David Allen show. Like if this thing's going to grow, I got to start treating it like a business, you know? And so we ended up, we outgrew that space. So we moved into a new space last May and it's 6,000 square foot. So it's double. Yeah. Significantly bigger. Um, and 
in September of last year, we added a CrossFit. And so there was another CrossFit gym that actually was thinking about moving to my old space. And I started talking to the, the owner of that and uh, just kind of was like, hey, man, I think this would be a good fit if you guys would come over and, you know, be a part of our facility. Right. So they started in September and that's been growing a bunch since then. Uh, so the next step is we have um, a pretty decent size uh, kind of outdoor area uh, behind our gym. I want to put a like 2,400 square foot group training building back there. So that will be kind of CrossFit group training. We can do seminars back there. We can do all of our competitions and stuff back there. Um, and then we can still have the open gym um, in, the, in the front. Are you going to chain it? Like, are you going to develop another? Are you going to franchise it out? So then, then the, so that's the new build. The, the, the addition is kind of the goal for later this year. And then next year, the game plan is to get all our systems in place, get everything set up so that in 2019, we can open up a second uh, location. <clears throat> do you have a uh, spot picked out? I, I'd like to do it in kind of North Mississippi. I think um, that's close enough where it's not – way too hard for me to manage i can kind of bounce back and forth if i need to um and they don't have anything like that down there so yeah um and it, it's it's kind of it's far enough away because we have people that will we have people that come to our gym from north mississippi from west memphis all that kind of stuff but it, it's a it's it's still a tough drive for most people to make to go to the gym every day you know to drive 45 minutes to the gym so um i think that would that's kind of outside our current radius that we can actually hit so that would be um, you know, a, a new kind of area that we can, that we can, uh, market to. And then, um, eventually I would like to franchise it out and give other, other meatheads, you know, a chance to actually live their dream. Every, every meathead. And I, I don't use meathead as a, as a derogatory Define meathead. I'd say meathead is someone who's, you know, well, my, my definition of a meathead and my definition of like our our target clientele is someone who puts, you know, training, health and fitness, like in their top four priorities, you know? So it's not regardless of if that's like bulking up or yeah, regardless if it's, if it's bulking up, if it's, you know, strength, if it's, I mean, we we cater to bodybuilders, powerlifters, strongmen, Olympic lifters, crossfitters, um, athletes, and then the everyday person who just wants to be better, you know, or all that kind of stuff. So, so I would say the people who are, to me, a meathead is someone who is seriously about training, you know, and has, and has been for a, a significant time and will be for sending. So sentence. what does it mean to let a meathead fulfill his dream? So every meathead on the planet thinks like it would be the coolest thing in the world to own a gym. Like I've never met any, anyone that was not like, oh, that would be so cool to, to own a gym. <laughs> Cause it's just like, it's, it's usually like, you know, it's like their escape. It's their happy place. It's like, it's what they like to do, you know, so the, the, the ability to, you know, they escape from work by going to the gym. So the ability to just kind of stay at the gym is, is, is always kind of a alluring idea for them. So, but, but, but most people, including myself at, when I first opened it, have no idea what they're doing when it comes to actually running a business. <clears throat> So there's a difference between like just owning a gym and running a business. Right. And so what, what I would love to do is, you know, create the systems in place and say, hey, here's a model that we know works. You know, we've had success with it multiple times. Um, and now we're going to give you the opportunity to, to capitalize on that model 
So you you're going into it, you know, ahead of the the game, not just you know blindly seeing it how this would right. would work. So what were some of the biggest mistakes you made launching a business? <sighs> um, I think I would say one of the probably the, some of the biggest mistakes I've made is 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 not doing enough research before like making a purchase. Um, a purchase, yeah, like like spending some significant amount of money, not you know, on equipment. Yeah, like for example, and, and this is this is a small example, but like I bought like ten vacuums like, the first like five years or four years or whatever it was, and it's just like like I kept buying like fifty dollar va- va- vacuums. It would break within like a couple of months, and so finally I was like, let me research like what the actual best <laughs> vacuum is to buy for a gym. And it was so like a, top mistakes of entrepreneurs. <laughs> by, by the, the right, right vacuum. vacuum but it's just like you know there, there's been so many times in, in the beginning where i'd just be like oh i need to make this i i, I get this now and i would i want to do the research on like finding the best price or find the best product and i end up having to buy like video equipment i probably bought like a bajillion mics before i was finally like okay i just gotta buy this this nice mic <laughs> that actually for works what? Uh, when we do videos for our youtube channel so one, one thing that we do gotcha. is like we're big on <clears throat> on education so we like we have a, a website that we do articles, blogs on. What's the website? www.nbsfitness.net. All right. Yep. Um, well, how'd you come to how'd you come to the MBS name? <laughs> so, do you want me to go back on the biggest mistakes I made? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the way MBS came mm-hmm. about was um, when so, I was. This is a family podcast, by the way. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> so when I. <laughs> When I was at the other gym, me and my buddy were preparing for a powerlifting meet. And so we 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 were doing training that other people had never seen. So we're training bands and chains, we're deadlifting, squatting, all this kind of stuff. And um and um so people would kind of ask us like, what what kind of training are y'all doing? And we would jokingly say, MBS training, you know. <laughs> Uh, you know, as, uh, insinuating that like what they were doing was BS training. <laughs> so, so the N is no, correct. Got it. Yes. <laughs> no. Okay. And um, and so then everyone just kind of started going with that and saying like that's an that's the MBS trainer. That's the MBS trainer. That's it. That's they're doing MBS training. So it just caught on. Yeah, just everyone just kind of caught on, and that's what everyone kind of started calling it. That's crazy. So at the time, and and, and I was doing like articles and stuff and sending out to to a. Um, email list and so finally i was like i'm just gonna create a website so i can keep all these articles on so i you know there's i can have that content that stays there i'm not having to like send out this email list yeah every every time so i created a website called mbsfitness.net and then i opened up the gym and i was like well i kind of i gotta just go with this because this is called mbs (laughs) it's what everyone (laughs) so everyone already knows it as that's an interesting model the uh the key fob yeah so you just trust people to be there on their own. I mean, we have cameras everywhere. They have to sign a, a pretty extensive liability. But you never had any issues with that, or no? I mean, I've I'm, I'm walked in and anyone has a, you know, a bar across their neck or anything. Yeah. So sometimes I'll come in and like someone have left the door open or have left equipment out. But so I'll, I'll say this: so one, you were talking about mistakes as a business owner. So I would say. The biggest mistake I have made was not preparing for burnout. And I think this is a reality for anyone who enters in a a profession that is their passion. 
So that's what I was wondering because you said give the meathead his dream, but yeah. then he doesn't have an escape. It's mushed together. Yeah. So right. that, that's like, I was going to say the biggest mistake because, I mean, it, it's hard for me to go back and really think of mistakes because every mistake I've made has been like a learning opportunity. So like they're not really, really etched in my brain as like bad things. You know, it, gotcha. it's more, I could, I could, it'd be easier for me to give you a list of things to do than things not to do. Okay. Because like, you know. Top learning experiences. <laughs> but, but, um, but, you know, one of the things I would say that most people need to, to, to be watch out for is when you're, when you're, when you have a passion about something. Which is what most business owners do. They yeah. launch their passion, right? Exactly. Yeah. They launch their passion. Well, then you become so entrenched in that 24 seven that you don't have any escape. Like. So for me, for most people, when they're going to the gym, I mean, like the process of going to the gym is like a, a mental kind of process. You like get excited, you know, you're putting your headphones on, you're listening to music, you're going to get ready, you're like, this is going to be awesome. You know, I just got, you know, I just left work, you know, um, I'm, I'm ready to go kind of, kind of release some energy. Well, f- for me, like, I'm just at work, you know, right. when I go work out, I'm, I'm at work. I'm still, there's still someone there that can you know, maybe like, Hey Dave, we need you to check this out. Or this person has a question type thing, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the atmosphere of MBS is like very intoxicating to most people. They walk in like, Oh, this is awesome. So that I'm so like pumped and ready to work out. But to me, it's just like, it's every day. Like, yeah. like there's nothing. I, I actually like get more like psyched up training people than I do when I want to train myself. Cause it's just like, I'm just back at work kind yeah. of thing. <clears throat> So I it's like that. I forget who said it, but it's like the, uh, the quickest way to get rid of one of your hobbies is to start getting paid for it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So like, you know, it, I definitely went through a process where I was like, man, the last thing I want to do is work out, you know, and it was just tough. It was just tough for me to kind of motivate myself to kind of do all this stuff. So I kind of had to, so you're like, I just did it anyway. Well, so, <laughs> and, and what, what I used to do was, I mean, like I said, I would work just 60 hours a week and it was just, I would just burn through, you know, I was just like, Whatever needs to happen, if I need to, if I need to be here at six a.m. and leave at nine nine p.m., like I'm, a, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna knock it out. It's probably think, a similar story to most business owners, yeah. though. And I think that's kind of necessary for like when you first start, but like at some point you've got to get to the point where you're like, I gotta leave this place or it's gonna drive me crazy. Yeah. So like, what I've done the last year is, is you know, I picked up competition shooting. So that kind of becomes my escape. I still love training. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm very passionate about exercise, health, and fitness. But, um, but like shooting is like my kind of escape. That's kind of like my hobby passion now that I can kind of get away from the gym and I force forcibly like make myself leave, go somewhere else, you know, and then I get that whole kind of process back. Yeah. Um, and that's been really good about keeping me from getting burnt out. So it's important to find those escapes. Yeah, I think you definitely gotta. You, you got to be like aware of it. And like I said, it's, it's tough because it's, you know, the reality is like you're going to have to put in some serious hard work the first couple of years of owning a business. Like you just got to be ready for it. But you also need to like plan to allow yourself to go on vacation, to like have some free time, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Another question I had was, <clears throat> excuse me, the, you, you guys, have, well, you and Jennifer, right? Jennifer, your wife. Um, so y'all been for, Full disclosure, y'all been in Fellowship Memphis for a number of years. Yes. Like, what ways does your, I don't know, does that part of your life kind of integrate into the way you run a business? Um, yeah, we, we started going to Fellowship, I guess it was about six years ago. It was, it was, it was right when I 
first start opened the business. So it had yeah. been, been yeah about six years ago. <clears throat> we started going to Colonial, and then when Germantown opened up, we, we started going to Germantown. Um, I think so. I think uh, several ways. One, I think um, you know, just being a believer and follower, I think it's important that you know you do everything for the glory of God. Which means like when you're at work, everything you have to do it with passion. Yeah, and you have to do it in a way that that will glorify Him. Which means, for me, I try not to to lose my temper too much. You know, I try to really, you know, if an employee has done something incorrect or or a or a um, a member has done something, I, I try to never make decisions out of you know out of emotion. I try to you know always sit back, think about it, you know, relax. <clears throat> um, I try to. I think I try to, you know, guide my employees as best as I can through my experiences to, so that they have better experiences or find more joy in what they're doing. Um, one thing I recently did, I bought, I don't know if you ever read the book Fearless. I love that book. Adam Brown? Yeah. Yeah. I bought it for like every single one of my employees and said, you know, guys, you got to read this I've book. read that book twice and each time I ball like a baby. Mm-hmm. I mean, I read it like it's awesome, and I don't cry ever. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even. I don't even have tear ducts. <laughs> Crying? What is that? Um, so I'll tell you a funny story. They're about making that. it a movie. Are they? Yeah. yeah. Do they should? That, that's such a good book. Yeah, that's what I heard. Like they're making a movie later this year or yeah. next year or something. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna tell you a cool story about that. I'm gonna say one more thing about um, fellowship and, and the gym is is um, <clears throat> I think. I think, you know, the Bible says, like, you, you're not promised an easy life. Like, it, it, you're going to go through some hard times. And what? Yeah, I know. I know. No, no, no. No one wants to tell me about it. I could have my best life now. Uh, be, Sorry. Like, you're going to go through some, through, Cut some that out. through some tough stuff. And so one of the things I like about training is, like, you're going to go through some sucky stuff, like, in training. Like, it's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. You can't breathe. But you're gonna get through it. Did you say you can't breathe. Can't breathe. Yeah. What kind of training are you doing? The good stuff. The good kind. <laughs> you know. So, you know, I, I think that. I think going through that physical pain on a daily basis is good. I think it, yeah, that's definitely good because it, it strengthens you mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Like for me, you know, like it's always a process of like. Just keep going. Like you're gonna get through this. Like discipline. Yes, yeah, d- discipline, and also just like you know, believing that it's gonna get okay. It's gonna be okay. Like right, right now, it sucks. But like once you like, for example, this morning we did a <clears throat> a really terrible circuit for three rounds, and by the third round, I was like, oh my gosh. But you know, I could sit there and be like, okay, you know, I got two more exercises. All right, I got one more exercise. All right, now I'm done. And, you know, and just like knowing that, like at some point in time it's going to be over, <laughs> you know, and it, you're going to be okay. And then, and you, but you're going to grow from that. Like yeah. every time, every time you like put yourself in like a physically bad position uh, and you s- survive through it, like you grow from that. And every time, same thing spiritually, you know, if, if, if you're going through a tough time when God's going to get you through it, you know, on the backside of that, you're, you're going to grow spiritually. Like, right. it's, it's, this is how God works in you. So. The way to feel good is to do things that don't feel good. Pretty much. Yeah. So here's a cool Adam Brown story. 
So I don't want to give away the book, but you know, he gets shot in the eye by a simunition round. Right. Okay. So I was watching a documentary about the NRA did a documentary about Adam Brown, like hero's life or something like that. So it's like this 30 minute documentary. So I watched this whole thing. Like, I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like so emotional afterwards. I get up because I'm like, I'm, I got to go outside and kind of like <laughs> take a breath. Yeah, I got yeah. like, to catch my breath. And um, as yeah, I, if, if you haven't read Fearless, you read it. You just have to read it. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I, I I will buy you the book if you, if you, thrilled. Like if you Easy. need it, we I have will. at least 25 <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I'll buy you the ebook. <laughs> I'll scan it. I'll scan it for you. You can all share it. <laughs> Put it on a drop. Yeah. Anyway. But um, <clears throat> anyways, like I watched this thing. And I'm, I walk outside to get to go outside, and I walk by my dryer, and there's a sim round sitting right there on top of my dryer. Meaning a fake bullet. A fake bullet sitting right there. Like, the exact same thing that took his Like eye. Adam Brown's ghost put it there? Yeah, I was like, oh my God, dude, I, I lost <laughs> it, man. I was like, I was like, bruh. You know? <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, it was just, it was just such a cool kind of, kind of moment, so... <laughs> Yeah, and like, dude, that that book, man. I mean, it'll, it'll make you want to. So be, you gave it to all your people. Yeah. Okay. So, what's yeah? Keep going. Like and that book will make you want to be like a better person in every area of your life. Yeah. Like family. What's been the response from your people? Well, they just got it like last week, so I don't think they've yeah made it too far into it. But um, I need I need a chat. The the ones that I know have been reading it, like, dude, this book is awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I told him, I was like, dude, like, I, I couldn't put it down. Jennifer had to be like, okay, Dave, it's time to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, I just wanted to burn through it. It was, it's awesome. Well, man, so uh, as we're kind of approaching the end of the time, what are – if somebody is thinking about launching a business or maybe has an idea, mm-hmm. what are some of the best things that they can do to kind of mentally prep? Uh, or if there's a certain book you would recommend as a kind of discerning that process – what are the uh, top tools to go to? Yeah, I would definitely read the E Myth. <clears throat> What's that? Uh, I can't remember who wrote, who wrote it, but it's basically about. It, it's kind of what I was talking about. Is most business owners open a business that they are a technician in? Meaning, let's say they're a plumber and they want to open a plumbing business. Well, they're opening the the business that they are a technician in. So, but in order to grow a business, like I said, you can't be the technician. You've got to be the entrepreneur who who drives the business. If you're stuck in like the day to day activities of it, you're you're going to have a hard time removing yourself to actually kind of see into the future and kind of manage that. So, um, the E Myth is a really good book that I would suggest any entrepreneur read. And it also kind of depends. I'd also say like spend some time and find a clear vision of where you want to go. If what if what if Okay, so I know there's two sides to that, yeah. right? Because I know there's also the famous uh, Bezos statement, Jeff Bezos, where he says, you know, if you wait until your product, if, if you wait until you're proud of your product to ship it, you ship too late. You're right. Right? Yeah. Like, the, I think a lot of people are just frozen. Yes. And they have this idea and they think, like, I mean, essentially what that is saying is just get it out there, you yeah. know, and let it morph into what it eventually needs to become. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying, like, your vision should always be changing, but I'm just saying, like... <clears throat> You got to know like what what is your goal for the business? Meaning like, you know, is, is your goal for the business like you just want to you just want something that's fun for you to do on the side that you can that you can have have some fun at and and, and make some extra money, or is it you want to be the next you know you want to be a Fortune five hundred company? Is your is your goal for the business you know I want to I want to 
you know, create water sources for, you know, tribes in Africa, you know, you know, whatever, whatever the kind of end goal is, while it may change, have a clear direction of like where you want to go and then start moving on it. Um, I'd also say, um, that I, I would, I would really focus on learning to manage people because you're going to have to it's tricky. Yeah. Very tricky. Um, you can learn, you, you got to learn how to like get everyone on board for the same vision, which can be tough. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You gotta be, you gotta find a way to, to get all of them as excited about the future as you are as, as excited about the future. And I think all the great CEOs that we kind of look back on, like they all had the ability to kind of get the rally, the troops, rally, the troops, get everyone kind of, kind of going in the right direction. Awesome. Okay. So <clears throat> nbsfitness.net. Yep. All right. And, uh, your gym is in Cordova, so if anybody wants to go and check it out, come on by. It's uh, it's up there. You still got room for some more. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, cool. And then the last thing I would ask is, as a CEO, is there a certain CEO out there that you know it you look to as kind of the role model for how to do CEO? Yeah. Well, yes, but I don't think most of the people on this podcast probably have not heard of him. But his name is Dave Tate, and he owns Elite FTS. And Elite FTS is. Um, kind of the leader in strength and conditioning equipment, but then also education. So their, their website is elitefts.com. And Dave, again, Dave Tate was a, was a powerlifter. He was a meathead, you know, who has grown his business and like pretty much, like I said, the biggest, the biggest name in strength and conditioning. Um, and so um, he's got a book called under, under the bar, <clears throat> And Dave's Dave's like hyper emotional. Um, you know, he puts his heart and soul into like every single thing that he does. And uh, his book Under the Bar is really good because he's he he he's very open about like some of the tough times he went through and like you know how he got through it and how he used his his experience in the gym to kind of guide him as a as a, a business owner and the kind of you know that's kind of my experience as well as like, I only have six years of, of business owner experience, but I've got like 17 years of gym experience. Right. And so, um, he did, he's done a really good job of kind of like helping me learn how to use the, um, the lessons of the weight room as a business owner. And, and it, I, I, he's a friend of mine. So, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a writer for lead FTS. That's who we buy our equipment from. And so like, I, I gotten the chance to actually go and like, hang out with him so that's that's awesome that's who i would say and then last you are uh there's talk of there's rumors of an mbs or not necessarily mbs but a podcast that you're gonna launch so yes as soon as that comes out we'll have to uh we'll have to cross pollinate yeah dude and, uh, i'm excited that's gonna be fun all right well thanks for being here man i appreciate it all right brother david allen everybody thanks man